Is it already recording? Yep. <clears throat> so what should we... Should we have like an intro? No, maybe not. Three, we could always add an intro. Two. We could always just slice in wherever we need to slice in, you know, in the beginning. Mm-hmm. What do you want to talk about? <laughs> Can't give me those eyebrows. I think what we need to address, first of all, <laughs> is the spontaneous trip that came over you. While you were showering? <laughs> yeah. I was really thirsty, so I went to go get some soda. From where? McDonald's. Out of all the places. Well, it's only a, like a block away. That's why. What happened at McDonald's during this spontaneous trip? Nothing. I just got some soda and ice. It's not true at all. <laughs> You told me the McDonald's worker like grilled you why you were getting ice. <laughs> yeah, he's like, why are you getting ice? And I was like, because I like ice. And he's like, I think that means you have an iron deficiency. <laughs> Which is probably true. Yeah. So. You don't have to talk I appreciate right in the mic. <laughs> I like to. Because I'm talking quiet. Mm. I appreciated his wisdom. Mm. Yeah. Spoke to my heart. <laughs> Prophetic. <laughs> McDonald's messages. It's an angel from the Lord. Mm -hmm. Do not despise strangers. They can be an angel. Uh-huh. Whatever that scripture is in James. What does that verse even mean? Like, is it literal? Like, is this being literal, Larry? Or is this more of like... Well, I don't remember at all, like, what the rest of the verses are talking about. The context was just how you treat people. I think of it like an old wise grandfather being like, you need to be careful how you treat people, Sonny. Because in my day, long ago, <laughs> someone had an angel visit them. And they didn't know it. That's one way to interpret it. That's yeah. kind of how I take it. I was like, he's kind of saying it like, it did maybe happen once, but it's not like it happens all the time. Hmm. I'm, I don't know exactly what it means, but I... It's that old man wisdom. I want to believe the fairy tale that... They're just walking around. Strangers 
angels are just walking around randomly as disguised as humans. The strangers have come across me. I want to believe in that fairy tale. Angels have come across as strangers to yeah. you? Yep. I want to believe that. <clears throat> um, maybe. Maybe it happens more often than you'd think. Maybe it happens less often than you think. <laughs> You're not saying anything. <laughs> but but maybe it happens more often than you think. But also maybe it happens never. And it only happened once. Hmm. Like when something's a legend, but it actually did happen like one time. But doesn't mean it like happens. Could Maybe it's more of like a... Is it euphemism? You is that the word? I think that's a word. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know. I know what the word means. I'm not sure how to say. It, but <coughs> I think maybe it's more of it's a it's more of a euphemism as in like the person that was stranded at our corner. Right. The black lady who had just gotten that car and she knocked on our door and like asked for help. And I helped her for like a couple hours or we had friends over. Mm-hmm. Remember we had friends over? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was out there helping her the whole time. And she said to me, you're like an angel sent from God. So maybe, maybe she it's... was the angel. <laughs> no, <laughs> the euphemism is that maybe it's not so literal, but maybe it's like, don't stop doing good to other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see that. Maybe As that's like what it means. A, yeah, like a way of saying something. Like a, euph- a euphemism. <laughs> <laughs> a euphemism? Or a euphemism? Dude, this is so bad. I don't know how to say that word, but I know what it means. <laughs> I can't remember the word right well, now. Well, anyway, she could have been the angel. She could have been the angel. She, she calling you an angel was her like. Her cover. Her sly way of being like, I'm an angel. But really. Low key. She wasn't like, an angel because her babysitter came with her four kids. So. They were all angels. <laughs> maybe it was. Angel babies. And it was in a. Maybe it was a. Dude, maybe how like even in the sort of like outside of the church world uses good samaritan as like oh you know news channels be like yeah maybe it was like used like that maybe again euphemism <laughs> euphemism it's definitely not euphemism maybe it was more well in light of that chapter just being like Yeah. Well, the word for angel, isn't it like a messenger? True. So maybe they were interchangeable. We just broke down some etymology but within the first 10 minutes. Without, without even looking anything up, we're just, we're just guessing. <laughs> Probably it was this. Yeah. We could look it up, but we could just guess instead. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So what can people expect from this podcast? I think... You started talking before I asked <laughs> the question. It's because I was already going to say something. <laughs> like something, answer? Like an answer my question or just like dodging? Literally, what I was about to say was an answer to your question. Very But you hadn't asked it yet. That's great. I was going to say. Maybe I was a I, messenger to you in that moment. You were. I was an angel. Asking me what I was already thinking. <laughs> I was an You were an angel. I was thinking that it's like date vibes. Date vibes. I heard you. <laughs> <laughs> the people can't see my face and why you said date vibes. <laughs> I had to repeat it because you look like you didn't know what I was saying. <laughs> date vibes, but like, because when I'm sitting here with you, it kind of feels like we're... On a date, mm. but so like awkward first date vibes. Dude, I was stoked when he said date, and then you're like, "But awkward first date." Well, vibes, well, because like, it's not like romantic date. It's not like romantic date. It's like date when you're like. That would be so weird to have a. I'm sure someone does. But. Well, yeah, that wouldn't be that weird, but like on a first date, you talk about kind of random stuff and it's like maybe a little awkward but it's not really like romantic and so that's what i mean because it's not like romantic date date but like more like date like what kind of random topic is gonna be talked about because i was thinking like oh my god i lost my train of thought like, if I was on a date with you, is this what you talk about with me? Like, probably, like, the most random things. Like, I remember when we first met, we were talking at the table. One of the first times. Not, like, the first time, but, like, one of the first times we Where sat. Where did we meet? Tell the people. Well, we met at Olympic College in the community center. And one of our first... You no. can't say community center because, like, is that like the YMCA where like old people are working out with people? You know? know what that means? Okay, student center, student center, community students body president center. You're just saying words. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's what I do. Um, and one of our first times, we were sitting at the lunch tables area. It's like where people eat not a cafeteria but kind of like a cafeteria anyway we were sitting at the tables and we were discussing and demons and you didn't believe in demons right and then i was saying like bro you gotta believe in demons and then we argued about that and we argued about random stuff like that 
And so that's what this is giving me the same vibe of like talking about the randomest topic that comes up and you're just like, just talk about it. Because like when you're on a date, it's like, or when you're first meeting someone, you kind of just talk about like all the random stuff. Mm. So feel like because if it was just you and me without a microphone, then we would probably be talking about something more like boring or not like boring, but just like having to do with what we're doing in this moment, like personal. We'd just be talking about something like more specific, but like because there's a microphone and it's recorded it's like okay what are we going to talk about what topics are we going to talk about it feels more like you're on a date because you're like oh i have to like find something to say Mm. it's like a different vibe Mm -hmm. or i have to find a question to ask them or whatever both of us haven't gone on a lot of first dates whereas that's true a lot of our friends and we're here in downtown Seattle. A lot of people are on that date game. I mean, dating is that's true. literally a whole new world. Yeah, like, that's true. We've never, I don't know if it's good or bad. right or left. We've never had to, dude, we've never had to use a dating app. I've never swiped. Never swiped. I've never s- Never swept. had to like, write a bio for people to like never for other chicks to like see if they're interested in me that way no never so it's interesting though because that's a good question oh my gosh what's your bio (laughs) (laughs) dude my bio is gonna be so lame of course it would be my bio is gonna be so your bio would be your bio would be I don't, sweet. It, 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 and it would be. I would try to be. I would try to like be funny in it, but it would be like just super. I don't know. I've always had issues, hard times writing and being humorous. Yeah. Always had a hard time doing that. Mm hmm. Just my personality. I was actually thinking about that earlier. but You don't have to be humorous, though. I was just thinking about that earlier. I was thinking about, you know, us in the podcast. And I'm like, I'm definitely going to come across more serious or whatever. And you're just more aloof, period. It's rude. (laughs) (laughs) And... There's like positives to both sides, but I just am at that point where I'm like, I'm going to run in my own lane and be me. But anyways, what would be on your bio? And let me answer the question. I would say something about loving Jesus, being in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I was single, I probably would be still writing a lot of music. So I would talk about being an artist mm-hmm. um would you say that you could break dance i would <laughs> also include that i would probably something about surfing and the ocean mm. probably mm-hmm. 
I would, of course, I don't know which direction is good. I think it's right. I would swipe right on you, babe. Of course. Yeah. I honestly have no response because I don't know what that means. <laughs> I can't remember which that one is which. That means I would be like, I want to connect with you. Is that, like, okay, that's swipe a right, good swipe one. Right, swipe, okay, that's what oh, I wait, thought. Wait, that's, that's right. What that's what I thought. Just the expression. Swipe that's right. Got it. Got I, it. I really don't. But I've heard swipe right, so I think it's right. Bro, someone's going to be watching this and be like, <laughs> how old is this a-hole? He doesn't even know what swiping right is. I don't know. But I would swipe right for you for sure. Mm. Just because you're cute. And I would like the stuff that you said. Because, but you wouldn't have to be, you don't have to be funny for me to, you wouldn't have to be funny for me to be interested. Out of everything that I just listed in the bio. What would be of the most interesting to you? Mm, probably the surfing. What? Mm-hmm. It's wild. It would be like, ooh, cool. I would have assumed like musician or, you know, artist or whatever. I mean, I would like that stuff, but it wouldn't be interesting as much as the surfing is interesting. Because mm. it's like, ooh, I want to be a part of that vibe. Mm. But yeah. Mm. What would be on your bio? Um, I would put really hot pictures of me (laughs) (laughs) thirst traps just really good ones (laughs) and um i would say that i like to sing and write and that i want to write a book about I would say something. Uh, you would put this in your bio? Yeah. I want to write a book about sex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say something edgy that would like, like a little bit edgy. Like I want to write a book about sex and Jesus. I can't speak for every guy, but hearing that, I would be so conflicted. <laughs> Are we? Who is this chick who wants to... Write a book about sex and Jesus. Exactly. Which one does she know more That's of? what I want is you to think. The, is she the guru for both? Yes. Who is this chick? The answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Would you swipe right? You don't know? I'd 100% swipe right. Mm. 100%. Just based on the picture alone. Yeah, back in <laughs> back in our day. <laughs> the free, back in our day when there was like MySpace and Facebook. I rarely read bios. I just looked yeah, at you, people's pictures. You probably wouldn't have read it. You'd just 
No, I remember reading your your MySpace one. I remember yeah. reading. It was similar to everything you just said. Just without the sex Except part. the book and sex. No. <laughs> but you, you probably would have said Christian instead of something. Yeah. You would have probably just gone with that. Yeah, my... Uh... And then you would have judged me based on my song and MySpace song, too. You were just bringing up all of Do you of remember my right MySpace now. song? I do. What was it? Oh, wait. I don't remember your song. No. Mm. no. No, no, no. Do you remember the vibe? Do you remember the feeling? Or the, the way you judged me because of it? So, I... I don't remember the vibe because you change your songs all the time. I would change it like once every two weeks or three You would weeks. change it all the time. But when you first met me and you first went on to my MySpace, you would have had like that initial like, first okay, impression. I feel like your vibe would have been something like Reliant K. Mm, at the time you met me though, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was like, um, it was the song. Luda. No, <laughs> it was the song. Um, oh my gosh, I can't think of it. God, oh, this is gonna drive me crazy. What did you just say? This is gonna drive me crazy. Oh. Um. <clears throat> it was that one where you. Oh, that chick. Is it Lance Morissette? No, no, it's anyway. I'll think about it. But I judged you based on your. I don't think you had it. Did you have a song? You had a worship song. I think you had a Christian song. I think you did. I think you had like a um, um, what's that one guy? I had Brandon Heath. I think you had someone. It was Brandon Heath. And it was one of his, those songs. Yeah. Yeah. One of his older, older ones. Yeah. Classic Spirit 105.3 songs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I thought that you were a little bit. Um, I don't know what the word is, just a little bit serious, but it was fine. I was okay with that. I don't know how to come across as my like wild, full of energy self. Yeah, it's so weird. Online, you're not very good at that. Part of it is because of like, I'm such an extrovert mm -hmm. that when I'm just sitting in front of a screen, there's no like energy that I'm feeding off That's of. That's so interesting. And so when I'm around, yeah, and other you're kind of, you're kind of just like, okay, I don't want to be on here, <laughs> like like Facebook or whatever it is. You're kind of just like. I'll write something down because I just want to like go and do something else. Like, yeah. Like you're just like get it over with. I remember when they first added bios. 
Yeah. And I was like low-key anxiety about it because I'm like, this is what's the point of this? Yeah. But I mean, I, I understand now why the bio is there because it is helpful to have a little snippet about somebody. That's really interesting. It's interesting that you were talking about the first date and I'm like, you know, this is kind of like our first date and we're going through the awkward conversation. I wonder how many, how many, you know, people who date a lot, frequent app daters Mm -hmm. enjoy the small talk, Mm. enjoy the kind of like spontaneous mm-hmm. first date type vibes mm-hmm. I, I would assume that people in Seattle don't really enjoy it that much yeah but that could just be could be wrong <clears throat> but I would imagine like the anxiety that I mean so many people in Seattle have anxiety already but just talking yeah even in customer service like people still have anxiety it's like bro you're in a job where you talk to people yeah yeah i don't think that they like it very much i imagine that's why people always say it's terrible on those apps because <laughs> no one wants to no one wants to do it no one wants to do just the meetups and then the like it's like a waste of my time mm. type thing i th- i think about shout out to our boy brian yeah yeah brian like that dude is you know living his game he's got a strong game um <laughs> i think about him and how like He's such an extrovert and such a caring, compassionate dude Mm -hmm. that he probably, because of being such an extrovert and people person, I would assume he really enjoys first dates. Yeah, I don't know, though. Because if I think about it, I would love first dates. I would love it. Because I love the like... The newness of meeting someone for the first time, mm-hmm. like that first exposure of getting to know somebody and being able to ask them questions mm. and getting, I love that part. I would have anxiety about like me saying the right things about me, mm. but the other side of the coin is like getting to know the person in front of me. I would love that. Mm. I have a feeling Brian doesn't feel that way. Shut up. Yeah. I have a feeling that Brian thinks that it's a bit of a waste of time. What? And that if he knew that the girl was going to be like legit for him, then he would love it. But because he doesn't know for sure, then it feels like a waste of time. I think that's how he feels. But all I'm saying is, I hate that. I hate. (laughs) 
<laughs> I, I know hate, you hate it. I hate first getting to know someone. I hate it. You've really got an itch on your boob. <laughs> I do. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Intermission. <laughs> you would hate it. Why? Why would you hate it? Because, no, I do hate it. I do hate getting, like, when I first meet people, I don't like that part of the relationship. Even in, like, our... In real life. Even in, like, a, you know, Belltown Church setting. Yeah. Really? For sure. I don't... Tell me more. I don't enjoy that. Well, I just don't know. I just don't like them yet. (laughs) (laughs) What the fridge? (laughs) No, I just don't know. Like, it's like, I don't know them, so I don't... I don't like that feeling of not knowing somebody and I don't like the process of getting to know them until up until a certain point and then it's like okay I know you enough to where now I feel comfortable enough around you that now I enjoy seeing you wow but before that transition I don't enjoy seeing them (laughs) (laughs) because i don't feel comfortable yet so with that come to belton church yeah (laughs) but it's like once someone's come like three times i'm like okay i'm comfortable around you now is it more of like you're comfortable around them or you're like well you're gonna still be around so i've gotta change Mm. myself no i mean it's it's more like I become comfortable because I know I can predict like their tone or their like their rhythm of like conversation or like the way that they interact. I know that I'm not going to like say something that's offensive or like I just I know that I'm going to like know how to bounce off of them a little bit more. By the like third time, um, so it's a comfort thing of like knowing them. Because hmm. when at yeah, at first I just feel like I'm very um, anxious around people because I don't know how they're gonna. Um, I don't know what they, how they like to interact, basically. Hmm. So that's why sometimes I get very anxious when people are more like you where you're like um i can't think of the word but like you don't you're not careful and it's good that you're that way but for me it makes me feel anxious because you take risks when you talk to people you take risks by joking or like teasing them or you take a risk by saying a certain thing that a potential like group of people could be offended by, but you say it. <laughs> like it could be anything. Yeah. It could be something completely small, but there's a chance that a group of people could feel a certain way about what you said, right? But you take risks by just saying it. Even if it's something like, I hate board games. 
right? But what if this person is like an avid board game player? And then you just made them feel like isolated. But you take the risk and you say it anyway. And that is great for you because it's great. I mean, it's great for the dynamic of the group because that helps people feel like if you don't take risks in conversation, then you it takes so much longer to get to know that person. Yeah. But it also creates a tension in the environment because your risks sometimes have little little like levels of tension or conflict in the things that you say. And even those aren't necessarily like bad. It's not necessarily like, oh, it's causing a fight, but it just may cause like a tense feeling in the person as they're like asked a really raw question maybe or something. And they probably even appreciate it, but it still causes like that tension in the environment. So that's a risk because that could be perceived or taken the wrong way. But because of that risk, it creates an environment that is more rewarding for everyone because it's like it moves it along Hmm. and people can like become closer friends faster or like learn things about each other and grow. But like for me, I don't like to take any risks at all ever in conversation with people that I don't know. Hmm. so like if i know them very very well then i'm fine with those risks but like with a new person i'm calculating every single thing that i say and watching their reactions to everything that's said to them to determine whether or not there's someone that i can say certain things around mm-hmm. and once i've decided that they're a certain way then i don't say this around them or I don't say that around them Mm. or I carefully just adjust. So that's why I don't like getting to know new people because it's so much work. I wonder if you subtly learn that from church culture. Yeah. I mean, I don't think my parents ever taught me that, but like that's how church people do typically interact. I wonder if you subconsciously learn that because my connection to that is the only time that I relate to everything you just said about your hesitation, mm-hmm. your like assessing people's responses to see if you know there's somewhat of a safe person for mm-hmm. who you like are. Mm-hmm. The only timeline like that is around other church leaders. Yeah, the only time. And it's mainly because I'm not afraid of conflict with other church leaders. It's more about being liked. Hmm. And it's not, it's not even being liked. It's more the sake of what it really is, is networking for me hmm. is so valuable. Hmm. And so someone doesn't necessarily need to be my best friend or even our biggest supporter. But if they're still saying 
Joey's in my network. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a value to me. Hmm. Because of that, I'm careful. I calculate all my words Hmm. around church leaders for that reason. But I hate it. I hate it. Mm. It's interesting because the way that you calculate the way that you measure like what you're gonna say is so different it's a different criteria than the way that i measure. <laughs> yeah because there's been so many times where i say things that are very uncomfortable to you to people like you'll be like why did you say that to that person or like why did you bring that up right yeah because for you the measurement was 100 percent different than mine your measurement had to do with something else. Mm-hmm. And my measurement of why I said what I said was based on comfort. So like they were comfortable and I was comfortable. But it didn't have to do with any other type of maintaining a network or like maintaining a connection. Yeah, like like it didn't have to do with anything like that. It just had to do with the fact that like, oh, I know if I say this, that they won't take this the wrong way or they or they won't be offended by this. So I'm going to say it mm-hmm. has nothing to do with anything else. Yep. So sometimes I say things where you're like, why did you say that? Mm-hmm. Which is really funny. It's really funny because networking allows me to build relationships at a pace that doesn't require me to be vulnerable. Hmm. So when you overshare, mm-hmm. which to you it's not oversharing, but for me it's oversharing. Mm-hmm. So when you overshare, it crosses it shatters my wall of vulnerability mm-hmm. that I'm like, I kept them at a place to where we were cool. There was love. Maybe, you know, even a lot of people, there's great friendship, but mm-hmm. again, different criteria for me is like, I don't see that person mm-hmm. as someone that I could allow them into my, like beyond that wall that glass of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I hate, hate it. It's because I don't like to keep my, I want to be in a place where I can be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I want to be around people where I can be myself and not fear that they're going to be offended Mm-hmm. They're going to, you know, try to get me in trouble, whatever mm-hmm. it may be. Right. Yeah, I think there's value in having, like, not every connection, not every friend um, has to be, like, the the most deepest 
connection, you know? And so there is value in that sort of, um, like, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. Like, it doesn't have to be, like, go all into the deep with me or else don't talk to me. It doesn't have to be like that. And I think that it's supposed to be levels of, like, there's supposed to be some levels of connections. And, and <clears throat> to a degree, like, we're sort of taught as Christian people that, like, you are supposed to be all or nothing with everyone. Mm. I don't think that's, that's a normal, healthy thing. Mm. You're not supposed to, like, trust everyone 100%, be all deep with everyone 100%. You're really not. And I think that it's normal and human to have like a couple that you trust and everyone else that you keep a connection to, but don't Mm. go deep, deep, deep with like, we've probably been told that as a, as growing up in church type settings that like, if you're not going full deep, you're like fake or you're like hiding stuff or whatever and I don't think that's realistic Hmm. so I think there's a part of what you describe that's like normal and good you don't have to be vulnerable with every single person but but I feel like for me that's always been really hard is that I always have the mindset that like it's all or nothing Mm-hmm. That makes a whole lot of sense. So for you, like the way you are, I when and when I watch the way you are, I get in, I get inspired, or like I can learn from that to be like I don't have to be all or nothing. I can have connections that are like different levels that, and it's okay. Right. And that's helpful for someone like me. Because I tend to be like, oh, if I can't share 100% of myself with you, then what's the point of being around you? Right. That's my mindset. Very extreme. Yeah. The most extreme. Yes. So that's partially why sometimes I overshare with people is because I'm thinking the dial is just going to keep getting turned up with people. It's like, I'm just going to keep getting deeper and deeper and closer and closer and closer with you. And if there's like a stop to that, then then that to me is like a sign that I can't trust you or something. And so what's the point of even continuing to be your friend? So sometimes I overshare because I'm trying to like, well, not necessarily trying, but like it's my sign that I'm comfortable around that person and I'm dialing up the knob. Right. We have to be that way in our context, doing what we're doing. As far as like, building starting a new community faith in Seattle because of how transient it is you don't get 
you're not like afforded the leisure of seven, ten years to get to know someone. Yeah. Here in Seattle, you have two. Yeah. You have nine months. Right. And obviously, like, I have learned a lot from you in the compassion and, like, also calculating words based off of how people are responding, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm by no means a, like, example. But there is a level of, like, what would Seattle look like if more people hmm. were risk takers? Mm-hmm. It's hard, though. A lot of people move to Seattle because they've been burnt from taking risks. They've been hurt from taking risks. Mm-hmm. So Seattle is a safe city for them to kind of be here. The only problem is, is they're here for such a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a perpetual first date. Mm-hmm. Like the first date for them their whole time in Seattle mm-hmm. never ends. Mm-hmm. That would be the freaking worst. Yeah. That would be awful. Yeah. Yeah. There's not a lot of people that like you in Seattle. There's not a lot of people like you in the in our current area because of like like what I mean is they are like what you're describing where they are they may try to go out there and do whatever, but like they do it in a reserved sense. But not many are willing to be like risk take takers in relationships and in just normal, like not even just relationships, but just like day to day moments. And that's kind of what causes such a forever like it's like when people say the Seattle freeze but it's not I I don't really relate to Seattle freeze but that's probably totally agree but that's probably because to some people I seem like oh, Seattle, <laughs> I seem like that but it's more just like the perpetual introvertedness or like the perpetual yeah. like reservedness yeah and that is because of people not wanting to like be risk takers in that way. But yeah, that's that's like one of your cool gifts. Cuz people will come and they'll feel like home very quickly. Mm. Cuz at home you can be like wild, you know. At home you can kind of be whoever you are and you don't have to like uh, calculate your words ideally and you can just kind of maybe offend a couple people and that's fine you know at home so 
right around you people feel at home because you tend to create a really wild environment that totally happened today we're at pcc where you work yeah and we were waiting for a while Mm -hmm. we're we're awkwardly standing in the uh like refrigerated section where there's drinks you could buy like individual drinks or whatever yeah and it was you know us and our four kids and makai's 11 jail's nine makai is an enneagram three so doesn't feel very much he's not like numb but he just you know he's kind of blunt like my like i am Mm -hmm. um so he'll say something and he doesn't really feel the weight of it. Mm. Whereas JL is the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. She feels all of the weight, every pound of it, every ounce of it. Mm-hmm. And Makai said something that offended her. And while we were standing there, JL just kicked him in his shin. <laughs> and then he kicked, like tried to kick her back, but I stopped him and I'm like, don't you kick your sister for and he was like she kicked me first i'm like bro don't yeah. kick her yeah and then and then jail was like i was like jail don't kick my car in the store mm-hmm. and she said but he offended me mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so funny Exactly. This is my Enneagram 8 coming out right now, but I think it would do a whole lot of good if Seattleites would just start kicking people in shins. Yeah, <laughs> like you get offended, then just, you know, maybe metaphorically kick them in the shins. Yeah. Little. Not the healthiest way to, like, express your offense but but there's that conflict that she's getting it out (laughs) she's getting it out yeah and i think that's the health in the conflict i was gonna ask you earlier so for the listeners the thousands of listeners Mm -hmm. um you've been promoted yeah and for those out there listening who are Enneagram fans, you're Enneagram 9, mm-hmm. who by nature wings 1, mm-hmm. but you've had to tag your wing to wing 8. And so you're kind of like a monitored bird. I don't know what that means. I don't know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> You know how, like, scientists uh, uh-huh. are, like, studying endangered fe- animals or whatever, uh-huh. species, uh-huh. and they'll tag animals? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're tagging me? You've been tagged. Tiger <laughs> <laughs> it. And it's forcing you... Wow, yeah, it's forcing you to have, like, a limp a bit. You're limping to your eight wing, which you hate conflict. Well. So I was going to ask, how has that been? 
I have avoided it. (laughs) (laughs) I have successfully avoided most conflict. That's my goal of the day, every day. And I almost every day avoid all conflict. That is unbelievable. Yeah, I'm really good at it. Because... Give us an example. Well, most things you can make better by just being really nice. And then the person isn't mad anymore. So, like Hmm. if there's customers who are a little bit irritated, then you just be overly kind and they, uh, they tend to settle down and get over it. Um, there was, I mean, there's been times when I had to, you know, like deal with the conflict, but it's not super often. Like one, uh, man was very very angry the other day and he was super angry because he was racially profiled by our security guard dude this Uh, happened last week yeah and that was okay that kind of conflict doesn't bother me because i was mostly just like I'm still kind of, my role in that moment was to calm and to like, to like, well, I can't think of the right word, but like to kind of ease the conflict was my role. So I like doing that. So I don't mind conflict as long as my role in it is not. That's so interesting. Is not creating it, but my role in it is is to calm and to ease it, then I don't mind. Right. Because I come in as a peacemaker to the situation and I can say, like, I hear you and I see you and I'm on your side and I'm listening to you. And, like, I like doing that. And I don't care that he was angry and he was yelling in my face and even, like, I even got his spit on my face when he was yelling. Wow. But, like, that doesn't bother me. WWJD. But it was just like, because he was very like passionate. He was very angry. And I'm like, I can, I can understand that. And like, it didn't bother me that he's angry. It's like, especially when it was like valid or whatever. I'm like, I, I hear you and I'm listening and I like want to hear what you have to say. And so that was fine. That moment didn't bother me. It bothered me in the sense of like, I felt bad for him. But it didn't bother me and like I wanted to be get me out of here. Like I was I could have sat there for like twenty more minutes talking to him and I've been fine with that. That didn't bother me. But it would bother me to start conflict or to to like be the catalyst of conflict. So say someone needs to be told like, hey, you can't be like taking a long time on your breaks and like you need to be back here on time like that type of thing where i have to confront someone and then kind of cause a conflict because without me addressing it there's no conflict they're back late for their break oh well we move on who cares that's my attitude 
Hmm. But to address it is is to me what's causing the conflict. I that's my perception. What's interesting, yeah. My perception is I cause it when I bring it up. Right. What's interesting is, and I've just realized this about you. Classically, Enneagram Nines are called the peacemaker. And they're stereotyped, they as in Enneagram Nines are stereotyped to be, you know, conflict avoidant. But one of the things that is a passion, if that's the right word, a passion for Enneagram Nines is justice mm-hmm. and compassion. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that in that situation, you were able to sort of like thrive in conflict when you were able to be a person of justice, Mm -hmm. be a person of peace. Mm -hmm. Like in the beginning of the BLM movement, right after Ahmaud Arbery was, Mm -hmm. you know, publicly lynched online, recorded. Then there were riots, the gnarly riots in Seattle. Mm -hmm. That conflict, I mean, it was gnarly. Like, remember right off of Pine Street, the Mm -hmm. cop car was Mm -hmm. on fire? Did you get a picture? No, that was just on picture. That was all over. I think one of the news stations had taken it. It was like, wow, it was on fire. But it was not dangerous for the public per se, as in like, you know, those who are protesting were a danger to others. Mm-hmm. Who was a danger was if you were protesting and rioting, you know, police at that point were a danger. Yeah. But besides all of that, you in that moment like thrive in that conflict Mm -hmm. whereas for conflict for me i generally would not have any problem starting conflict right or if i'm tired and grumpy or hangry and like irritated and things are built up within me for whatever reason I would have no problem I actually have less of a problem escalating conflict Mm -hmm. not just starting but like escalating it Mm -hmm. so my problem is learning when to not just start conflict for the sake of starting conflict yeah yeah I mean, I try to, I try to, what's the word? I try to like, um, help myself understand that like when someone does something like say, say someone doesn't come back from their breaks at their 15 minutes, like they're supposed to, and I'm the one who's supposed to address it. I have to kind of, um, what's the word? Like talk myself through that and be like it's it's them that's actually starting the conflict not me 
Mm. But I have to like convince myself of that. Because naturally I... So you have to... I believe that it's me. You literally have to interpret it through the lens of justice. Like something has been unjust. Yeah. And I have to convince myself that they started it by doing (laughs) the thing wrong. And so I'm addressing what they started because that is truly what's happening. But my brain doesn't want to believe that it wants to (laughs) like it wants to believe that like, well, if I just ignore it, then there's no problem. Oof. So I'm the one causing the problem because I'm bringing it up. Right. So like my tendency is to ignore as much as I can ignore like it's like as much as I can get away with ignoring, I will ignore because then that causes less problems. Mm. And it's not really true, but that's hard for me to believe sometimes mm-hmm. because it does work that way some most of the time. Mm. Like I can ignore, like especially if it's at my own expense, then I'm the one who just has to take that loss and deal with it. And I would rather take that, you know, loss than deal with the conflict. It's a price. I'd pay that price. So it's like, say I have to cover them for five more minutes in order to not address it. I would do that. I would pay that five minutes just to not address it. Mm. Because that's worth it to me. It's like, I'd rather just cover them, not bring it up. And then no one has to know. So that to me is a price worth paying because then it's like, well, then I don't have an issue to address. So that's what I have to work on. And someone who has a manipulative personality easily takes advantage. They'll notice that. Of you. (laughs) You're like, oh. She doesn't care. I'm going to try to take 10 minutes next time. Yeah. And Hannah's got me, so I'm good. Yeah. I want to be, that's hard though, because it's like, I know that, but I also like, I want to be that person. Like, I want to be the person that they're like, oh yeah, Hannah's got me, because that makes me feel cool. (laughs) Makes you feel cool? Yeah, because if like, I want to be the person who everyone's like, oh yeah, Hannah, she's got us. She's, she's the, she's like chill. That's like, that to me feels like a win. If someone thinks I'm chill and if they think that I've got them, that's like, I'm a winner. That's, that in a way is a really cool leadership style. (laughs) That's how I like, that's why I have this. Because at the end of the day, everything falls on the leader. Yeah. You know, everything falls on you. So if something goes wrong as, yeah, as one of the like people in charge uh-huh. it falls on you so that's a cool thing because generally and we see this all the time in like the marketplace world but we also see this in the church world people deflect and like blame game mm-hmm. or don't take their stuff yeah I remember the first time I got in trouble at my job. I literally, 
I literally felt the tension in my body pulling me two different ways. Mm. One way was to one one way my body was being pulled to like paint this sob story so they'll have compassion on you. Mm-hmm. The other the other pull was just be bluntly honest and apologize. And that's mm-hmm. not my typical route I go. Mm-hmm. I usually like try to win people over with my like winsomeness. Mm-hmm. So I apologized and the meeting was scheduled for like 30 minutes or something like that, but it was a five minute meeting. Mm-hmm. They're like, okay, here's the steps, you know, blah, blah, blah. Just don't do it again. Mm-hmm. And it's been fine ever since, but. Yeah. It's really interesting. Yeah. But yeah, it, it it is hard to be a person of leadership as a nine. <laughs> Just in general. Mm. And as a pastor, it's the same same thing. I think. But what's interesting, over the past year we found out that a lot of the pastors we know are nines. Well, yeah, that's, I guess there's also so many different types of pastor. Like there's like teaching pastors or like pastors of, pastors who like basically all they do is teach, right? Or like there's pastors who are like administrating like an entire small church and doing everything. There's just different and I think it kind of depends on what type that we're talking about that are nines, but... Well, I mainly mean, like, lead pastors, senior pastors. We found out that a, a few of our friends are Enneagram nines, which is, like, our pastor friends, which is really, really interesting. Mm. Really interesting. Some of them wing eight. So that yeah. does that does help a little bit. Something I wanted to bring up and talk about was church leadership. Mm-hmm. But really, um, I had seen this clip. Now, let me let me see if I can find the name of. The artist it it was literally something on just like instagram like one of the stories and um let me see if i can find it here here we go ah don't know the name of it but for it's definitely circulated a whole bunch. So if you, you know, like, have seen this video, you'll definitely know what I'm talking about. But it's this video of an artist. I don't know the type of art that he does, but 
he was um, him and this female were standing on this object that was rotating. Mm-hmm. They were spinning in a circle. And then it started to like tilt. And both of these people standing there, like the 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 male was like the main artist. So this mm-hmm. the chick that was there was like, you know, helping him in this art piece. But he was he was standing and it was a circle and they were both like coming at each other. It was like dancing but not. Mm-hmm. It was all art. And like they would fall and like because of the tilt of this thing that was constantly spinning in a circle, they could like stand instead of standing up, they could stand at a 45 degree angle, but their body would still wouldn't fall. Mm-hmm. And I was watching this and I was overcome with the idea of like this art is beautiful mm-hmm. it's stunning to watch mm-hmm. like these this artist and this female you know like they're not models like this guy is like he's got like the baseball hat balding going you know like he's mm-hmm. got the hat like hair on the side so like he's not like this overly good-looking guy Mm -hmm. at least what you know westerners would think is attractive and neither was the female like she was pretty but she wasn't like a model you know there's nothing standing out about their looks but watching them and how they were they choreographed their movements on this thing that was constantly spinning in a circle and it would elevate at different degrees and it was beautiful to watch. And I'm like, I don't know if it was the Holy Spirit or just me taking it that way as like a parable. Hmm. But I'm like, this guy created a new art form. And it's captivating millions of people there were only like 20 people in the room from what it looked like but it's circling all over the internet mm-hmm. and it's captivating because nobody's ever seen it hmm. Hmm. when you hear that how do you think that speaks to church leadership Um, (laughs) the first thing that I think of is that church leadership isn't, um, isn't captivating. Mm. So like how it speaks to it is a hard question because to me I'm like well it doesn't really 
show it doesn't that's not really a depiction of church leadership because church leadership isn't um as far as i've the majority of what i've seen is like it's not captivating it's not really a word that i would use for Hmm. church leadership um so i'm not really sure you've never been captivated by someone's leadership within you know church realm like i've been captivated by people's leadership styles like i could list off people all, all day long not all day long i don't I think of the first guy who started to disciple me, Andrew Frost. I think he's like a principal somewhere in Pacific Northwest. And he would pick me up Thursday mornings at, I don't know, I don't know what time. But early in the morning before school, we would go to McDonald's. Mm -hmm. And he would buy me something. And we would just like study the Bible or something else. And I'm like, that was super captivating to me, that type of leadership. Mm-hmm. I also think about Dave Veach. Shout out to the Veach. And being in this group that he had with a bunch, uh, a bunch of other guy pastors. Mm-hmm. I've never ever seen someone lead without trying to impress other people. Hmm. Never seen it in the church world as like a pastor. Hmm. And so when I saw that, I'm like, that, that's captivating to me. Hmm. Like, what does that dude have that isn't trying to impress any? Of these young guns in the room. Mm-hmm. Steve Shell. Mm-hmm. Freaking whiz. One of the smartest dudes I've ever met. I mean, he's an older dude, but one of the smartest dudes I've ever met. Theologian, all this stuff. You know, you would imagine that he would be someone that's kind of like, you know harsh or um, doesn't he doesn't have the same like his level of I, EQ isn't the same as IQ mm-hmm. people skills as his like book smarts but sitting standing with him after services and seeing him just sit and listen with people cry and tell him about problems and then pray with him Mm-hmm. I'm like the level of humility on this guy. Mm-hmm. A lot of the times he would even say things like, I don't know the answer. Mm-hmm. Like that's captivating. Hmm. So you've never seen captivating leadership <laughs> in the church. Maybe generally, I agree with your statement. I agree with your statement that like church you said when i think of when i think of church leadership i don't think of it as captivating and i would agree with that mhm yeah um but i don't think that, i disagree that you've never come across someone 
that was captivating. It didn't captivate you. I'm not asking you to search for somebody right I, now. Uh, <laughs> no, I like... There's been maybe some famous... Like, not famous, but like... There's been some like really big... People who are like maybe at a conference or something who spoke about something that was captivating once, but I wouldn't remember them. Like, there's no one that I remember. Hmm. As in, like, there's there's people I've heard of who like told a story and like it was captivating that they like did things the way they did them, you know. But there's no one that I've ever had a personal encounter with besides besides you. Oh, come on. Yeah, that's really the only only person that I've ever seen as captivating. That's too biased, babe. Come but on I'm now. serious. You're the only person I've ever seen that's been captivating to me. Hmm. That was why I... That was part of why I, like, wanted to not just, like, be with you romantically, but, like, be your friend. Mm. Because you were like, yeah, you were so captivating. And the way that you did things, I'd never seen anyone do them before. Hmm. And so, yeah, you're really the only example that I could think of like that. Hmm. I never had anyone. Just like the things that you've described, I've never had those experiences. Mm. So it's like. You're really the only thing that I have a close experience like that. Mm. <laughs> but I think you're pretty captivating. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. No, no, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I... The first... Actually... What's another thing that comes to your mind when you think about? <laughs> Back to the to the uh, question. Yeah. Because um, I would agree with your first response, like your initial response, that like church leadership one does need to like reassess how can they be more captivating. Hundred percent. But what else would you say? Well, I don't have anything else to say about that. Man, you want to know what I was thinking? Okay. And I, it's like, I saw this probably three, four months ago. Mm-hmm. Time. I don't know. Timeline. But it was felt like three or four months ago. Mm-hmm. And ever since I saw that video, I cannot shake it. Because I'm like... What that video spoke to me was that this person's type of art was different than every other traditional art. Like I just, I saw some of our friends on their Instagrams going, traveling to Europe and like going to art galleries. Mm-hmm. You stand in front of a painting and look at it, and that, that's great. It's 
amazing. We have another person who used to be in our youth group who lives in San Francisco, and she's always in art galleries or like other art forms, but going to concerts. You know, we took my brother and I took my mom mm. last night to Jazz Alley, and it was like incredible. But all of those types of arts have been around for hundreds, you know, thousands of years. And this type of art is brand new. And I'm like overcome by the idea, by the conviction that there needs to be something new in church leadership. Mm -hmm. There needs to be not rethink the whole thing we don't need to necessarily throw the baby out of the bathwater. is that the expression <laughs> with the bathwater, throw the baby out with the bathwater. yeah we don't need to do that let's save the baby <laughs> do you know why they say that i have no idea because the whole family would share the bathwater, the same bathwater. so the dad would bathe first because he's like the Patriarch. most important. Yeah. And then after him would go like everyone else who out of importance. The last person to bathe would be the baby. Oh my God. And it, by that time the water would be so dirty. Oh God. That you couldn't see the baby. Like if you were. It, it's not like real. But like if you were to drop the baby under the water. You wouldn't be able to see the baby. So. They're saying don't throw the baby out with the bath water, like because it's so dirty. Because you're gonna see, throw. Because you're gonna dump it. And you're gonna forget the baby's yeah, in there. Yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> dude, what a vivid image. That's crazy. Yeah, isn't that gross? What? Who bathes the baby last? Like this is disgusting. Why would you do that? Dad go last with his nasty butt. Hundred percent. Nasty. Oh my. god. Gosh, it's <laughs> gross. Anyway, church leadership, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Well, I'm saying like we don't necessarily need to do that. Yeah. We don't need to reimagine the entire script. Uh, but I think there is a demand for something that's captivating. It's new. Here's... And I want to like press into that i don't know what that looks like necessarily yes. i agree with that but the thing is that i think that part partly it's like what's there needs to be something new like there needs to be something captivating that whole language and like outlook is very much like the old script isn't working like what's the new script but it's still like a well, script just, but i just said we don't need to reimagine the whole thing right but what i'm saying is to say like to say like we need something new that's captivating to me is still focusing on the script rather than because like the thing about art 
is that the guy who created that probably wasn't thinking, I want to make a new art and I want to captivate everyone. He probably was more thinking. <laughs> Did you talk to him last week and ask him, hey, bro, what were you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> no, but like when people are artists and when they're creating, it's like coming out of them. Yeah. And it's like very organic. Right. And that, I mean, that's what makes it good. If it's not doing that, then it's usually Ooh. not. So maybe, maybe church leadership isn't captivating and hasn't been for so long because everyone is conforming to one or a few people yeah and also they're following a script and they're following the script because right right. whereas like this guy he just did whatever came out came out of him right and that is what's and captivating. It, and it created in 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 a, as a consequence, it created something new. But he wasn't necessarily out to make a new art. It like it's a con like it, it happened right because of his creativity, mm. right? So it's like the same thing. It's like we don't want a new script. Like we don't want to what's the new captivating way to be gosh stupid leadership trend because then that's just another new script yep exactly so it has to always be organically coming out and that's what makes it unproducible yeah or like you can't copy and paste it because you can't copy and paste something organic Mm. like you just can't so like Mm. like that's like they do try to do that like with gmos and stuff like that that is copying and pasting genetic material but then in in the process of doing that you're creating something fake bro even though it looks like something that's real spiritual gmos so it's like yeah so it's like it's it's always going to be fake or it's always going to be and not necessarily fake like fake fake but like it's always going to be become a script if you're not just doing it organically that's so good and so it makes me think about all of the movements that are happening right now every movement that started started organically right but then it's copied and and then it becomes a script that's exactly what i'm thinking about i'm thinking about all of these pastors who man on one side of the coin they didn't quit during the pandemic Mm -hmm. like for the pastors that did quit during the pandemic that's not wrong maybe it was like god's will for you to move on to the corporate world or start your own business or whatever and one like that's a whole different conversation but no shame if you quit but for those that didn't and even in light of god calling you to stay faithful and whatnot like kudos great i'm seeing a lot of those type of pastors 
who have come out scarred and they're looking for a prototype, a script. Mm-hmm. How, like, COVID was the loneliest time mm-hmm. for everybody. And in the church world, it was like even way more heightened because, you know, we had to, not had to, but there was some type of responsibility for us as church leaders to speak to current events, BLM, this or that, and that's, Mm -hmm. it is what it is. But having to do that alone like you and I, we lost a lot of connections. People see us in a different light. Um, that's perfectly fine. Most of the time, but sometimes it's lonely. Especially because, like I was, I was talking about earlier, like I love networking, and my network has been somewhat shattered because of deep convictions that you and I hold. Mm-hmm. So it's lonely. Mm-hmm. It's lonely to, I bet that artist is still lonely. I bet he's still lonely. He's either, re- he's probably, I would imagine, because I talked to him last week too. I would, Im- <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine that he's has an inner battle to where he's still lonely because no one understands. But then there's this sense of like relief because people are captivated by what's coming out of him. Mm-hmm. But the problem with that is people are probably, I would assume, based off of our conversation last week, I would assume that this guy is being bombarded with like, how did you think of this and all of that? Mm-hmm. And that's not what an artist wants. Mm-hmm. People are searching for the answer so that they could reproduce it. Mm-hmm. He just wants someone to sit and hit the capt- captivate it. Yeah. Like that's that's it. Yeah. To sit and like, to use Bible terms, to sit and appreciate the glory of like the Imago Dei. Yeah. Like that's... Or to like tell them what what it made them feel or like how it, how it made them think or yes. whatever. Like that's usually the point of art is like, oh, what did it bring up in you? You know, like I want to know, like... Like he probably wants to know what it brought up in them. And that that's what we're supposed to do as church leaders. People are supposed to ask, being like, they're supposed to ask those questions that you just mentioned mm-hmm. so that they can change the way they think. Mm-hmm. They can re- think their passions they I saw that guy and he's an artist mm. I'm not an artist like that but it captivated me to where 
I began to search my own Imago Dei, mm. being like, I, I, there's something within me that feels like there needs to be, at least in our own context, at the very least, but I'm thinking like just in the church world as at large, like there needs to be something more captivating. Mm. And I felt that I didn't talk to the guy, but I felt that from his art. Mm -hmm. And that's what good church leadership is supposed to do is it's supposed to spark that something within somebody and say, man, how I've been living can be different. Yeah. Not even how I've been living is bad because you can go the shame route, but that's not what art does. Captivates beauty, captivates goodness. Mm -hmm. And Jesus did that so good. And he also nurtured that so good too. Yeah. Like he wasn't offended by... He knew, he knew perfect... He knew how to perfectly... Friend somebody in the lonely places. Hmm. What are you thinking? <laughs> I'm just deep in thought about it. Sometimes it takes me a while to process. Yeah, you're like a sloth. It's just <laughs> slowly moving and processing, but it's really deep and good. There's nothing wrong with that. <clears throat> yeah, I think that I've never thought about... Um, I... There's times in church where there's art present, if you can call it that. Mm. Sometimes there's legitimate art. Sometimes there's mm. bad art. <laughs> <laughs> but I still, even though there are times when there's legitimate art at church, I still don't cons like. I don't consider or associate church with art. Mm. Um, and that's probably due to the fact that for a long time, church was actually anti-art. Yeah. Like really anti-art until... What kind of art are we talking like about Like 2000s, early 2000s. It was... Yeah. Because when you were you came in post, you came into the church after art was seen as unholy was being was starting to be accepted. Was when you kind of came into the church. Hmm. But when I was growing up in the church, art was very anti God. I don't even understand how we get there. It's wild. Was it, it is. It was most art was secular, like even even bands and music, mm. you know, like how 
Christian rock became a thing in like the 80s, late 80s. But like rock had been a thing already for like years before that. But like it took a long time for it to be accepted as Christian. Because mm. all, all rock and all like bands were considered secular and bad. And like drums were considered bad. Mm. Um, electric guitar was not allowed in churches. Mm. Things like that. Because those were considered secular. And then art in general like like just like paintings and stuff like that. It was like not necessarily like banned, but it just was considered secular. Like it wasn't Christian activity. Art was secular just in general. <laughs> I just don't and get it. And so, so there's not an association. It's like church and art aren't really they don't go together except now they kind of do and you see them you see that happen. The like crossover but it's still kind of like awkward. The crossover can be awkward because mm. of the history, I think. Of like, you know, when you try to start to mesh something, it's like yeah. It's like it's still kind of having an awkward moment. So I don't really like I said, I don't really think of like churches art or leadership as art at all. Like there's not that doesn't until this conversation, that's not the same category at all to me. But like now, I'm thinking about it like that. That's why I was spacing out for a long time. Because I was yeah. thinking about church and art and leadership as art, which is a really weird um, thought that I just, when I have a thought I haven't thought, then I have to think about it for a long time. So yeah. That, that's why I was processing that. But. I think of Jesus too and like that would actually be a really cool thing to like study and maybe write about like church not church but like Jesus and art mm. or like how Jesus was an artist because mm -hmm. Jesus the way that Jesus led was art mm. full of art and just like a whole art movement in itself yeah like, if you think about how artists can be all, like, immersive, yeah, right? And then, like, walk around in their whole, like, immersive art. Yeah. Like, that is what Jesus was doing. Mm -hmm. Tons of times. Where he would do, like, these things, like, among people. Yeah. Or, like, maybe perform an, a miracle or whatever it was. That, that was all art, really. Because the miracle itself was not. Right. Was typically temporary. That's so good. Right? Like the water, the wine or whatever. It's like, it's not really that big of a deal. But there was, it was an art move. If you think about it, it was more of an art move than anything else. Wow. Because now Jesus is showing you something and like you are feeling something. You are, you're having the experience of what his art is like showing you and so it's more about that than about the actual miracle or whatever so now with that in mind now i'm thinking like through like you could probably walk through so many things that jesus did and see how they were just like almost artistic moves rather than whatever we would normally call them right there's another um another piece by this artist 
that makes me think about what you're saying. This artist would, there was a stairwell that was isolated. So it was just stairs. And next to the stairs at the bottom of it were trampolines. Mm-hmm. So his whole thing was as it looked to the, you know, just to the common eye, there was a struggle for him to get to the top of the staircase. But when he would fall off, he would fall, bounce off of the trampoline, and then perfectly land on the staircases again. Oh, yeah. I think I saw up. that one. Yeah. yeah. So it was this guy, mm-hmm. that same artist. Mm. There's another one that's like circulating all over the world. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about that, and it's like there is this falling into struggle in church leadership mm-hmm. that um, that Jesus modeled so perfectly, and that artist, like the, what you mentioned earlier, like art is organic it comes out of the person Mm -hmm. and to use that definition and apply it to jesus or really anything anybody church leadership or jesus or whatever like where are we being artists like where are we being organic where are we being ourselves, our true selves? Mm-hmm. And thinking about, you know, celebrity pastors or influential pastors, church leaders, they get their fame because they're different than everybody else. Hmm. They're different than everybody else. That's captivating. Mm-hmm. It's captivating to the bulk majority of other church leaders who don't have the liberty or don't want to, like, don't have the liberty within themselves or around themselves to be creative to mm-hmm. be artists with their with themselves as church leaders mm-hmm. therefore they're caught up in the script they're lonely they're this or that mm-hmm. yeah man this guy wrecked me that was it's crazy just to think about and I I shared in Belltown Church a couple weeks ago, just like we're in a transition. I sense that we're in a transition in the in the in the Western Church. Mm-hmm. And something I didn't share in that time, which kind of applies to this, is in every transition, most people think of transitions, they think of the past and they think of the future. But in between 
the past and the future is a small margin that most people don't see. And that margin is squished in between two, both of those time periods, both of those seasons, whatever you want to refer to as. And in that margin, that's where we are. Mm. And that margin gives us the ability to either go back to the script, which is the past, or to fight for something new which is lonely as hell. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But what if it wasn't everybody's job or every pastor's job to captivate the West, but just to captivate those in their sphere? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like imagine if I think there's in Foursquare alone, I think there's like 6,000 churches in America. 5,000 churches. Imagine if all of the lead pastors and all of the staff members, volunteers within those church were in those churches were to be like this artist guy. Mm -hmm. Every city would have like pastors walking around captivating people. Mm hmm. Yeah. I think that's really cool. This was fun. Do we have a name? I don't know. (laughs) Should we call it the Hannah and Joey show? Ew. (laughs) (laughs) No. I'm just trying to live my Imago Day, okay? Don't say ew. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we have to just call it something and then just Put it out there. I don't want to like. I don't want to like make a whole thing of it. I'm like. Brand it. You know what I mean? Like just like. Low key. Like just call it something and just. Send it off. Sounds good. Well, thanks for listening. (laughs) Everybody. I don't know how long we went. I don't know. But, yeah, thanks for talking to me, babe. Thanks for the first awkward date. Thanks for captivating me. Don't give me those eyes. People should be glad that it's just audio. Thanks for captivating me, babe. Thanks for captivating me, babe. Thank you the best. You're the best. And you listening.
are the best. <laughs> yeah. Alright. We love you guys. <laughs> Have a good night. What if we'll see you in the morning? Have a sleep tight. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha